0: turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. We're going through here for a few weeks before things crank back up in the fall. We're doing this series that I'm calling the, the fine print of discipleship. Th- these are sort of the, okay, th- this is what it means to be a disciple. These are the things you can expect. This is, you know, again, when you uh, sign a contract, right, in big letters it says something, and then there's, there's all that little fine print that explains the details This is what it means. This is what's going to happen. This is what you're responsible for. This is what you're not responsible for. We're going through looking at these passages where Jesus is talking about what it means to follow him. Today, we're going to do a story where Jesus isn't actually talking about it. He's demonstrating it. It, it, It's really pretty clever. You'll see as we go through what what he does to his disciples using them as an object lesson for themselves this is the story of the feeding of the 5000 and it's one of those stories you may have heard about even if you haven't hung out in church where jesus feeds it's actually 5000 men meaning like 5000 heads of families uh, most commentators suspect there's 20000 or so people out in that crowd there's 5000 families now that might just be the dad who came but probably lots of them brought their wives kids etc so We've got a crowd of 20,000 people out there, and Jesus is going to feed them all. And watch what he does. Watch how he interacts. So I want you to read with me. I'm in Mark chapter 6. The story starts in verse 30 and goes down to verse 44. So follow along with me. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. It's already very late. Send the people away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of fish and bread, the number of men who had eaten. Was five thousand. So I want you, if in your Bible, and you know whether you're going old school or you're going online, <clears throat> back up a little bit from this story. Like, look for those big bold headings that your Bible puts in. Notice what happens right before this. So in my Bible, the section right before this, starting in verse fourteen of chapter six, says John the Baptist beheaded. And the section right before that, back up in Mark chapter uh, Mark chapter six verse six, says. Jesus sends out the 12. So this is what's been going on in the background before our story. We have these two other stories, one which is a great success. If you read that little section in Mark 6, 6, where Jesus sends out 70 of his followers into the villages and the countryside to preach and to teach and to heal people, to do all the kind of stuff that he's doing. And it says, sure enough, in verse 12, they went out, they preached that people should repent, they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So there's this great success story going on with his followers going out and doing all the things that Jesus did and then coming back to him. And... There's this, this great, terrible story, John the Baptist. I mean, he's the original guy. He's the first guy to look at Jesus and say, this is the Messiah. This is the Son of God. This is the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sins of the world. He was the very first guy. Some of Jesus' disciples now were disciples of John. And John told them, hey, follow that guy. I'm here to tell you about him. You need to go with him. And they found out that John's been killed. John was arrested by the, the, the king. It's a Roman-appointed king of that region, and John's been killed. So you got these two stories, one which is all this success and the other which is really scary, like, like the, author- yeah, the demons submit to you, but the authorities may kill you, and they come back to Jesus in verse 30, and they're telling him what's going on, and it's so crowded and so busy that Jesus says, hey, guys, l- l- let's get away right? Let's just get away for a little while. You need to rest. And I am sure you have been there. I am sure you have been. You've done a series of ministry. You've done things. We don't know how long the guys were out. It doesn't say. Weeks, months, who knows? But they haven't slept in their own beds in a long time. They are tired. They have been out there doing ministry, preaching, teaching, healing, casting out demons. They come back, They are tired. There's still activity going all around. Jesus says, come away. You need a rest. And so they go away, and what happens? People show up. Wow, have you ever been there? You are tired. You are ready to be done. You you have been helping people forever. You are ready to get away and just chill and watch Netflix or read a good book or take a nap. You are ready to get away and people show up. And what does Jesus do? Like Jesus, who recognizes they need the rest, says, come away. What does he do? Does he do what you want him to do, which is say, wow, get back in the boat. We got to get out of here. No. What does Jesus do? Verse 34, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Jesus jumps right back into ministry. He knows they're tired. I mean, he knows they're tired. He knows what's going on. He knows they haven't even eaten yet. But he jumps right back into ministry because he is compassionate. Brothers and sisters, wow, this is part of the fine print of discipleship. Your master, the guy you follow, we call ourselves, if you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus. The guy you follow, wow, he's incredibly compassionate. He is generous, he is merciful, he's gonna go out and help people, and he's gonna take you with him. Even when you would rather go home and take a nap. And this is not the only story in the Bible like that. I'm this, Jesus gets derailed by people all the time. There's a story where the disciples go across the lake. Again, Jesus tells them to. It's like 20 miles they row across the lake. They row out of Israel into the Gentile land overnight during a storm. So they don't sleep that night. They're rowing 20 miles. They get there. They're there for like half a day. Jesus does what he's going to do. And then he says, okay, we're done. They get in the boat and they go the 20 miles back. Finally, they're back home in Capernaum, their home base late that afternoon. And again, they haven't slept in 30 some odd hours. You know these guys are tired. And somebody comes... And throws himself at Jesus' feet on the beach and says, please, my daughter is dying. Please, please come and save her. Please. And Jesus says, okay. And they don't go home and get back in their beds. And they don't go rest. They walk for hours with Jesus because somebody's in need. And he said, yes. The guy you serve, if you're a Christian, he's incredibly gracious to people. And he's going to bring you along even when you don't want to sometimes. Jesus tells a a story about a a guy who owns a vineyard, and he hires a bunch of people to work in his vineyard. Crack of dawn, right? First thing, they're going to work a 10-hour day in the heat, picking grapes by hand. And about nine hours into their day, another group of guys shows up. Now, these guys had contracted to work for what's called a denarius. A denarius for a day of work, that's a good wage. I mean, it's not, it's not great. You're not making $50 an hour or anything, but you're not making minimum wage either. It's a good wage. When the, the guy, the owner pays people, he pays those guys that only worked an hour first, and he gives them a denarius. And all the guys in the back of the line that worked all day are like, oh, wow. I thought the contract was a denarius for a day. It turns out it's a denarius an hour we are going to clean up. Oh my gosh. And they get to the front of the line and the guy that hired them hands each of them one denarius and says, there you go. Just like we agreed. And they are so angry. They're like, you paid those guys who worked one hour in the cool of the day, the same as us. We worked 10 hours in the heat. And the guy who owns the vineyard says, wait, wait, wait a minute. This is what we agreed, right? We agreed that you would work for the full day for a denarius. You said yes to that and agreed to it. Why are you mad that I'm generous? Because those guys who only worked an hour, they need to feed their families too. And so he paid them as if they had worked for a full day, even though they only worked for an hour. Why are you mad that I'm generous? But we are, aren't we? We're mad when Jesus is generous to other people. We're not mad when he's generous to us. We're mad when he's generous to other people, and that impinges on us. If you are going to follow Christ, you have got to be okay with how incredibly gracious he is to everyone. And for Jesus, every day is bring your kids to work day. He's going to drag you along. When you stand at the end of the line and you worked all day, You are hot, you are sweaty, you are tired. And he is paying the people who worked an hour when it was cool out, the same as he's going to pay you. You cannot turn to your friend and say, oh, he owes us a ton more. You turn to your friend and you say, look at that. I love working for this guy. I love working for somebody who pays people who don't deserve it. Because you know there are days when you don't deserve it. You know there are days when all you have to give is one hour in the shade. (laughs) That is all you have got. And you show up and Jesus hands you a denarius as if you had worked all day in the heat. You have got to be okay that when he sees this crowd of people who are in desperate need, that he is going to go help them and he is going to bring you along because that's what he does. He takes his kids to work with him every single day. This is part of the fine print. This is part of the contract that you are signing up for, that you worship a God who is so gracious, who is looking for excuses to be kind, who when you can only work one hour in the shade, he will pretend as if you worked all day. And he expects you to do exactly the same thing on the days when you do work all day, And the person next to you, wow, all they've got is one hour in the shade. You serve an incredibly gracious God. The disciples finally gets late. Remember, these guys haven't eaten. They thought they were going away for a retreat. Finally, it gets late. They come to Jesus. They're like, hey, you need to wrap this up. We got to send these. We're hungry. Everybody's hungry. You got to wrap this up and send these people out. Much as I imagine some of you feel when perhaps I exceed my 30-minute time slot in preaching? And you're looking at your watch at 11.45 thinking, you are sent. It's time for you are sent. How are we going to beat the Baptists to the uh, the Mexican restaurant if we don't get out until 12? Okay, (laughs) wrap it up, Jeff. Time to send the people. They're like, we got to go. And what does Jesus do? Send these people out so they can get food for themselves. And Jesus turns to them and says, no, you feed them. 20,000 people spread out. Jesus has gone up on a hill, we're told in another one of these stories. Spread out, listening to him as he talks. You feed them. And the disciples say what I imagine all of us would say in that situation. You've got to be kidding. We can't. We don't have enough. We don't have enough. We don't have enough food. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough. We can't do it. Jesus gives them a command. You feed them. And they say, I don't know about you, but what I often say when Jesus tells me these crazy things to do, no, no, that's not possible. It can't be done. I don't have enough. I don't have what it takes to feed 20,000 people. None of us do. And what does Jesus say to them? Verse thirty-eight. What do you have? I did not argue with them. It's like doesn't say, well, pull your resources, right? Go. I know you have savings. Go find. We don't have enough. Jesus. Jesus says, okay. What do you have? Go, 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 and find out. Go and find out what you have. Jesus has been teaching these people all day, and now watch. Now he's going to teach the disciples. If you read this version of the story in the book of John, John actually explicitly says this, that Jesus was testing him. He knew he was going to feed the people. He's setting the disciples up with an object lesson. What do you have, Jesus says? Five loaves of bread and two fish. And, and these, are, these loaves of bread, like the word says what they are. They're about a six-inch piece of pita bread. So they got a six-inch piece, six piece of pita bread, and they got what they say a small fish, so three to four inches. Like these are not couple small fish, five pieces of pita bread. Um, and again, in one of the other versions of this, it tells you some of the things the disciple says. And one of the disciples is like, yeah, like that's going to feed everybody, right? We got enough here for, for two sandwiches, maybe, you know, if, if we, we, we spread the fish thin. This is never going to work. So Jesus has them sit down 20, again, we don't know, we know it's 5,000 heads of households, but we'll say 20,000 people, has them sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties and starts breaking bread. And do you notice how he feeds the people? Like, because think about it. You ever been at a wedding, right? You're at all your tables and the tables are numbered and what do they do? All right, tables one and two, you can go to the buffet, right? And then we all sit there and think, why did I sit at table 11? This was a terrible idea, right? (laughs) Tables three and four, right? Jesus doesn't do that. He has them in all these groups. He's not like, okay, you groups come up and get food. Or have you ever been in a situation where you know, you're, you're at tables in a conference and the speaker will say, okay, send one person from every table up to get the handouts, right? He doesn't, he doesn't do that. He doesn't have one person come and get, I mean, he could have the, the, we know there's 5,000 heads of household there. He could have had each of those guys come up and get the food for their family. How many people in your family too? Okay, you need this much. Oh, I've got six. Okay, you need this much, right? He doesn't do that. What does he do? Verse 41, he takes the five loaves, the two fish. He looks up to heaven. He gives thanks. He breaks the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. Now, I want you to imagine that. There's 20,000 people out there on a plain, spread out around a hill that Jesus is teaching on. And Jesus hands you a bunch of food. How much food could you carry? I don't know. You, know you, you got a basket. You got Amazon boxes. You got a backpack. I don't know. How much food could you carry? You're going to carry all that food to a group of 100 people. And what are you going to do? You're going to start giving it out. And it says everybody ate all they wanted. This isn't like, okay, this is all you get. Split this up. Everybody gets a quarter of a bread and a, a half a fish. And everyone gets as much as they want. You give out all that food, right? It is not going to feed 100 people. You're going to give out everything you have, and then what's going to happen? You're out. You're out of food. You're empty. You gave everything you had away, and you've still got probably, I mean, how much food do you think you carry? 10 people? 20 people worth of food? you still got all 90, 80, 90 people, hungry people staring at you. What do you do? You go back to Jesus. You gave out everything you had, You go back, and Jesus fills your arms back up with food again. And then you go and you take it, and you give it away. You give away another 10 or 15, or however much you can carry. You give it away. You still haven't fed that group of 100, right? You go back to Jesus. There's 20,000 people in groups of 150. There are hundreds, literally hundreds of groups of hundreds of people spread out on that plane. And these guys are carrying food in their arms, handing it out to the group, and then going back and getting more from Jesus, and then going out. How many times do you think they do that? How many times does it take? We don't know how many of the disciples are there. right? Maybe it's just the 12. Maybe it's all 70 of them that went out. We don't know. But it says they take a boat, so it's probably not all 70. How many times do these guys go back and forth from Jesus to the crowd, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, getting filled up with Jesus, giving out every scrap of food they have, getting filled up from Jesus, give out every scrap of food they have. They do that over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, they must do this for hours to feed everyone. Every single time they go out, they give out everything they have, and they're empty. They have nothing left to give. And they have to go back to Jesus, and get filled back up. Do you see what he's doing to them? He said to them, you feed them. And they did. Every single one of his disciples fed all of those people. How? Jesus people, Jesus people, Jesus people, Jesus people, Jesus people. Back to Jesus, back to the people. Back to Jesus, back to the people. Over and over and over again. Do you see how he's training them? You do this totally ridiculous impossible task. I mean, seriously, let's say it is all 70 of them. You 70 people feed 20,000. And I didn't mention you should bring food or money. This there's no way. I mean, when the disciples say, "We can't" We don't have enough. We can't afford this. Everything they say is true, and yet they do exactly what Jesus tells them to do. Jesus says, you feed them, and they do. How? Jesus. No, they don't have enough food. They don't have enough money. They absolutely do not have what they need to feed 20,000 people, except that they have Jesus. There's a 16th, 17th century, 1600 writer named St. Teresa of Avia. She has two, she's worth reading. She has two things she said which have burned themselves in my brain. One of them, she's one day riding in a little donkey cart to a convent. She's going to minister to these nuns. Um, and the donkey stumbles and falls. And if you know physics and levers, when the donkey falls, the, the, the front, the poles on the donkey go down, which means the back that she's sitting in goes up. She's thrown up off the donkey cart and lands in the mud. And she is said to have looked up to heaven and said, Lord, if this is how you treat your friends, it is not surprising you have so few of them. And I like to remember that on those days when I'm doing what God tells me to do and my donkey throws me into the mud. The other thing she said was, whoever has God lacks nothing because God alone is enough. Whoever has God lacks nothing, because God alone is enough. And that's what the disciples learned. Do you know, this is one of the few stories that's in all four Gospels. We have four accounts of the life of Jesus. Right? Two of them are eyewitnesses. Matthew and John are disciples. They were right there. Mark is the secretary to Peter, who was right there. So he's writing, we're told, Peter's remembrances. And Luke traveled with Paul, the apostle, and met all the other apostles from it. And so we're told Luke's kind of an amateur historian, and he started interviewing people as he met them with Paul, and he put together all their eyewitness accounts. So all four of these guys claim to be eyewitness accounts of Jesus. But as you can imagine, Jesus lived for you know 30 years before he ever started wandering out talking publicly, And he wandered publicly as a traveling teacher for like three years. What stories would you tell? Like if I grabbed four of you and said, okay, tell the story of DCC from the summer of 2020 when we opened back up after COVID until now, what stories would you pick? What things would you say were significant? What things would you remember? Like they tell all sorts of different stories. This story, all four of them tell because I think it was incredibly significant for anybody who was there in learning what it means to be a disciple. Jesus is going to call you to do the craziest things. He's going to call you to do things which are utterly impossible. You don't have enough to feed 20,000 people. That is ridiculous. You are looking out at 20,000 people, and God turns to you and says, hey, feed them. That's nuts. Nobody can do that. But if you are a follower of Christ, he's going to call you to do stuff like that. He's going to tell you to do things that you cannot do, that you don't have what you need, that you know are impossible. You are not enough. And how are you supposed to do them? You take empty arms to Jesus, and he's got to fill you up. And then you take it out, and you give all of it away. All of it. I mean, it's all gone, and you are empty, and people are still staring at you. And you go back to Jesus. That is the life of discipleship. There was no way these guys could possibly feed all those people except that they had Jesus. And Jesus absolutely can feed all. All those people. Jesus doesn't even need them. The guy who flung all the stars in the sky. I mean, he just could have had creme brulee show up in every group if he wanted, I think. But how does he want to do it? What do you have? Bring me what you do have, and I will multiply it. I will expand it. I will grow it. And then I'll give it back to you, and you'll go take it out. Jesus tells them to feed everyone, and they do. Like, do do those thousands and thousands of people, do they even know where the food's coming from? All they know is one of Jesus' followers keeps showing up and handing them food. They do exactly what Jesus told them because they go back and forth from Jesus to the need, from Jesus to the need. They can't meet the need themselves, and they can't meet it all at once. They go back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth. But Jesus starts with what they have. He multiplies it. He gives it back to them, not all at once, not everything, as they need it, back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth. And brothers and sisters, I am confident that Jesus has called you to impossible things. I mean, come on, love your neighbors yourself. That one's impossible right there, right? Don't take revenge. When people harm you, pray for them and bless them. That is impossible enough as it is, much less everything else that he calls us to. All the things where God has come to you and says, you do this. You take care of this. You meet, you meet this need. I want you to do this. I want you to be involved with this. And you know that there is no possible way that you can do this. Amen. You are, you are 100% right. There's no, no possible way that you can do this, but but you have Jesus because Jesus by himself is enough. If I can paraphrase Saint Teresa, he who has Jesus, oh, he's got everything he needs because just Jesus is enough. What has God called you to? Like what are the things in your life that you know this is impossible. I can't do this. There's no way. There's no way this person is going to agree. There's no way I'll ever have enough to do this. There's no way I'll ever succeed in that. There's no way. I can't do this. I'm not enough. I don't have it in me. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough patience. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough goodness, whatever it is. What is it that that, that you read that you think that's impossible? Or that God's spirit speaks to you and says, no, that that, that can't be done. There's no way I can possibly do that. You're right. Absolutely. Don't let me dissuade you. You're absolutely right. You cannot do that. (laughs) But this guy can. He can. Jesus. The Jesus who says, what do you got? I got seven pieces of pita bread and a couple little fish. Great, bring them here. Jesus can take what you do have, which is not nearly enough. And he can grow it. He can multiply it. He can give you what you need. Now you're going to go out there and you're going to give everything away. And everybody's still not going to be fed. And what do you need to do? You got to go back to Jesus. You got to go back to Jesus over and over and over again. You know, we get ourselves in trouble on both sides. We get ourselves in trouble and we're like, I can't do this. This is not possible, so I won't do anything. And we get ourselves in trouble when God does supply for us and we start to think, oh yeah, I can do this. Oh yeah, I am all over this. Look at me go, look at my arms full of food. Look at bad me and all this food. Here, you want some food? Have some food. Because then you're empty again. You got to go back to Jesus. Back and forth and back and forth. That's discipleship. That's the Christian life. We are not sufficient in ourselves ever to do the things that God calls us to do. But Jesus is. And you just keep going back to him. And Brothers and sisters, I don't know what that looks like in your case, right? In their case, it meant he literally filled their arms with food. I don't know if that means he's going to fill your heart with patience so you can go out and deal with that person again, right? And then, guess what? You're going to run out of patience. You're not going to have any more patience, and you're going to have to go back to him and get some more, right? I don't know if he's going to fill your arms with money. I don't know if he's going to fill your arms with time, I don't know if he's going to fill your arms with love or compassion. That's going to depend on what he's called you to. But this is the pattern of how God works with us. And this is the only way it works. This is the only way we make it happen. Is that Jesus calls us to do impossible, ridiculous, silly things that anyone with a brain, 20,000 people, no, we are not going to be able to feed them. Send them away, let them feed themselves. Jesus calls you to things that are, there's just no way you can possibly do that. No, there's not. Don't fool yourself, but he can. And he will through you. That's why he called you to it. He wants you to be involved. So what do you got? Whatever little tiny bit of patience you got, bring that to him. Whatever tiny bit of love you've got, bring that to him. Whatever you've got, go to him and say, all right, this is all I got and it ain't enough. (laughs) So what are we gonna do? Let him multiply that. Let him grow that. Let him fill you back up with what you need to go out and don't be fooled. It won't be enough. It will be enough for one trip. And then you gotta come back. That's our life as Christians. That's gonna be our lives, folks, until we die. We are never gonna be sufficient. We are never going to be so full that we never have to go back to him. We never are going to be so with it and together that we finally are just like, yes, I have it all. I have food for 20,000 people right here. Come, let me minister to you. It's not going to happen. You're never going to have arms that big. We always have to go back to Jesus. So where do you need to go to Jesus and say, look, this is all I got? Like those guys working in the vineyard, right? All I can do is work one Hour in the shade, great. Here's the Daenerys. I will pay you as if you had done it all. Like, where do you need to go to Jesus and say, "Look, this is all I got, but I want to obey," so that He can multiply it. He can fill you back up. You can go back out there and do the impossible. They feed twenty thousand people. That's impossible with seven loaves, seven pieces of pita bread, and two little fish. They feed twenty thousand people. They actually do it. But only because it's Jesus in the background supplying all of it. Where do you need to go to him and say, look, this is all I got. This is what I know you want me to do. And this is all I got. So so what what, what are you going to do to get me there? And you keep coming back to him. You you give it away and you come back to him. You give it away and you come back to him. So I'm going to pray for us. Ask yourself that question. I'm going to ask the Spirit to speak to you. Where do you need to come to Jesus and say, you've called me to do this. I know you want me to do this. This is the kind of person you want me to be. These are the things you want me to be doing. But this is all I got. I only got seven pieces of pita bread. I can't feed 20,000 people. Okay. Jesus can. Jesus absolutely can. Jesus can fill your arms with bread, send you out, and then when you're empty, you come back and he fills you again. So let's pray. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are kind. Thank you that you are generous. Thank you that, that you, you are a God who is looking for excuses to, to pay people who, who only work a day in the shade as if they had served you all day. Thank you that, that you are a generous and a good and a gracious master. And you have been generous and good and gracious with us. There are many times when I have only been able to work a single hour in the shade and you have acted as if I had done it all. And there are times when you have called me to work all day in the heat and to be gracious to others who couldn't that day. Lord, I pray for us. I pray for for this church. I pray for my brothers and sisters here. What have you called us to? What are the impossible, crazy, ridiculous things? I mean, yes, aside from love your neighbor as yourself and consider others as important as you are and don't take revenge and all that crazy stuff, what are the crazy things you've called each of us to? Who are the people you've called us to love and take care of? What, what are the, the tasks that you've assigned to us that, that we can't do? We don't have it. We're not capable. We don't have enough. Jesus, I pray for us. Take what we have, multiply it, give it back to us, and send us out to do the things you want us to do. And wow, then reel us back in when we're empty so you can fill us up again. Jesus, you've got to remind us to go out with what you give us, and and you've got to remind us to come back when we're empty. Lord, I pray for us, your people, that all of us that you have called to all these myriad of different things. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Where do we need to come to you and say, I know you want me to do this, but I don't have enough. This is all I have. This is what I can give. Where do we need to come to you and bring our pitifully small lunch so that you can just blow it up. So that you can feed 20,000 people and have basketfuls of leftovers after everyone has eaten all that they want. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Where? Where do we need to come to you and say, this is all I have, Lord. Multiply this so I can obey. I pray for my brothers and sisters now as we take communion. I pray as we will sing again to close out this service as we will worship you again. Holy Spirit, that you will be speaking to us, that you will be reminding us that that as we go through this day, you will tug on us. Where do we need to come to you and say, this is all I have. Please multiply it. Fill my arms back up so I can go out and do what you've called me to do. And then when I'm empty, I'll I'll come back to you and you'll do it again Uh, until everyone's fed. Until everyone's fed and there's baskets of leftovers lying around. Jesus, be gracious to us. Remember what scripture says. We're we're dust. We're like wildflowers. We're only around for a tiny little bit. Be merciful to us. Holy Spirit, where do we need to come to you? We pray this in your name, Jesus. Because you are our Lord. We are your followers. We are your disciples. We pray this in your name name, Lord Jesus. Amen.